0: Welcome to the Genesis Church Podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Last year, when um, our staff got together and uh, we decided that we were going to be teaching through the Bible... Pastor Tim and I, we, we sat and we looked and we, we contacted some, some friends of ours that had done this before and we were mapping the plan of the week by week that we were gonna teach. And uh, one of the questions that, that we had was, what do we do when Sundays arise that like are themed Sundays? Like uh, for our church in January, we have our anniversary Sunday, it's a big Sunday. What, what, what happens when we wanna teach something on that day that that's specific for that, and and we were given like this this opportunity where they said, "Don't deviate, don't deviate from what it is." That's why if you were here on Valentine's Day, I, Pastor Tim got to speak on Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> yeah, I was thankful that wasn't me. Um, so as we're sitting there in the meeting, you know, I do the um, I do what every good person does that is preparing to speak. You're like, okay, I know I always preach Palm Sunday, and so what are we teaching on Palm Sunday? And so I look at the thing. Well, first of all, I have to go, uh, what day is Palm Sunday, 2023? So they give me the date and then we have the plan. And so I look and it's Moses, the call of Moses. And so I did what every good pastor does. I Googled. Does the call of Moses have anything to do with Palm Sunday? And uh, it does. And what's crazy to me is, is how the two relate. And over the last month, as I've been really just gearing up and preparing to teach today, um, I've learned so much about Moses and Moses' life and how Moses' life is so similar to Jesus' And what Moses was called to do and what Jesus ultimately did and how how it correlates. And so today I have the opportunity to kind of tie the two together. And so I want to do that. And and I really, my prayer today is that I would not just inform you, but I would inspire you to be different. Through the word of God, through his, his speaking through us, that we would leave different than we showed up. Because I believe when you have an encounter with God, you're different. And so my prayer for each of us in this room, each of us watching online, is that we would have an encounter with God today, and that we would leave different. Can I pray for you? Dear God, I pray today that you will use me as a vessel. God, that I will be your representative in what you're trying to do, the work you're doing here. God, I thank you that you are already at work. You're not waiting on us. God, you're already at work. And I pray today, God, that we would join you where you're working. God, that we would be informed, but we would be inspired to live different. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 say this. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. It says, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. Now you can imagine that Moses, he was, he was literally in the wilderness for 40 years. In the 40 years that he was in the wilderness, he, he probably saw and heard a lot of crazy things. I mean, imagine going the night under the stars every night for 40 years and literally the sounds that you would hear, the things that you would see as you walked through the wilderness, the animals that you would see. And so I can imagine that this is probably not the first burning bush Moses saw. I mean, a storm would arise, lightning would strike, and I'm sure he saw things catch on fire. But what was different about this bush is that he said that the bush did not burn up. And so Moses did what most of all of us would do. Moses went to look a little farther. It says, so Moses went and he looked. And he thought, I will go over and I will see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. God called. He said, Moses, Moses. Can you say that without thinking about Morgan Freeman? <laughs> He's ruined it for all of us. Seriously, when you hear the voice of God, is that not where your brain goes instantly? Aren't you glad it doesn't go to like Pee Wee Herman? Wouldn't that just be different? Moses! That has nothing to do with my sermon. Um, Moses said, Here I am. God responds. Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Isn't it cool when you read that, if you've been walking through the Bible with us this year, it's like, that means more, doesn't it? I mean, we've really learned about who Abraham was, who Isaac was. I mean, we studied this year who Jacob was. So when he says he is the God of Abraham, it just hits different. It just hits different. At this, it says, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7 says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Wow. Wow he said, I've seen them. Then he says, I've heard them. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. Then he says, I am concerned about their suffering. Don't let anybody ever tell you that we serve a God that does not see us, that we serve a God that does not hear us. And no matter what circumstance you're walking in, Don't let anybody ever tell you you serve a God that is not concerned about your suffering. Our God hears us. He sees us. He heard us. He's concerned about us. And then this is what it says in verse eight. It says, so I have come down. We serve a God that steps in. We serve a God that comes down not a God that plucks away, not a God that steps away. We serve a God that comes down. And when he comes down, he comes down to rescue us from the hand of the Egyptians. And then to bring us up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He says, it's the home of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hiphites and the Jebusites, meaning it's occupied, but you ain't going to have to worry about that. God, no God, no God. I will make a way. And then he says in verse nine, he says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. You ever feel like your cry to God hasn't reached him? Like your prayers don't exit your bedroom? Like you lay in bed and you cry out to God and it don't get past your ceiling? Let me tell you something. God hears your cries. He says, they have reached me. He has seen the Egyptians oppressing them. And then verse 10 says this. So now go. Somebody say, so now. now. Come on, you can do better. Say, so now. So now now go. Now. 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 I am sending you. Hold up. Moses says, huh? Come again hold up, wait a minute. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God tells Moses, I'm going to send you to the place you ran from. I'm going to take you back to the place you do not want to go and I'm going to use you while you're there. And then Moses does what we all do. His butt gets in the way. Your butt ever gotten away? I mean his butt gotten away. What does it say? It says But God. But 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 God. Who am I? Who am I that 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 I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And I love this and we'll end here. It says this. And God said, "I will be with you. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. Thank you. As I look at this story, I'm going to break it down today in the most simplistic form I can because I'm a simple guy. And I'm going to walk you through what I've been walking through over the last couple weeks. As I look at this story, as I see this story, this is what I see. First and foremost in this story, I see a God that appeared to Moses. Moses. He showed up. He made himself known. Exodus 3 verse 4 says, God called to him from within. From within. I want you to understand that God was in that bush. He was not the fire. He was speaking through the fire. But God was within that bush. I'm going to get a little, little nerdy on you. Johannes, our German pastor, would be so proud. Have you ever heard the word theophany? See, a theophany is when the, the visible manifestation of an invisible God takes place. And so Moses had a theophany where all of a sudden a God that was invisible is now clearly visible to him. And he can see God in the bush. I think that's an amazing thing to literally be able to see that I saw God. But what's fascinating to me is once he sees God, what does God say? I mean, after he calls his name, what is it that God says? God speaks to Moses and he tells him this. He says, take off your shoes. Now, I've heard this story my whole life. I grew up in church. Some of y'all, maybe this is the first you've ever heard of it. Moses and the burning bush. But I've heard it. We're teaching the children it right now in our kids' areas. I've heard this story. And what I've always heard about this story is that the reason why God told him to take off his shoes is because it's a sign of reverence. It's a sign of humility. It's kind of like when you show up at somebody's house, you know, you do that awkward thing where you're standing at the front door and you're staring at their feet. Are their shoes off? Do I need to take off my shoes? And that is what happens. And that is a sign of humility. It's a sign of reverence. But it's more. See, Tim and I were talking this week, as we always do before we teach, and we kind of run each other, you know, like, hey, this is what I'm thinking, and what do you got, and do you have anything? And we do it, it's awesome doing church with your best friend. You know, it's just so cool to just to have that relationship. And so I'm telling him where I'm going and he says, hey, can I send you something? And I said, yeah. And so he said, these are some things that I learned about this. And I said, well, we'll send it to Moody What do you got? And he texted me. And when he texted me, what came up on my phone was this. Shoes equal identity. And I said, Well, man, what do you mean by that? He said, see, during this time, some customs would say, and they believed that as you walked, you actually claimed your territory. So your sandals during this time, your shoes during this time said a lot about your territory. But it also said a lot about your identity. And so when God speaks to Moses and he tells him to take off his shoes, what God is really telling him is I am getting ready to strip your identity who you think you are, who people have told you you are, you are not. And so I will symbolically take away your identity because when you leave this holy ground, you're going to leave with an identity that I have given you. And so many times we try to do what God has called us to do, wearing our own identity. And we think that I can't do this. And it's because God has not stripped you of your identity or you have not obeyed him and you have just not taken off your shoes yet. But when you learn to take off your shoes, the identity that you believe you are goes away and God will now clothe you in new shoes. Some of y'all just need a new pair of shoes. That's all it is. The second thing I see in this story is this. Not only... Not only did God appear to Moses, but God appointed Moses. He appointed him. Mm. He said, you. Mm. I'm sending you. Go now. Look what it says in in verses 9 and 10. So now go. I'm sending you. You see, what, what God did here is God appoints Moses to be his representative. But what God says is God says, I'm going to do all the work. Yes. And Moses, he misses it. Mm. And if you're not careful, what God is teaching you and showing you and trying to reveal to you, if you are not careful, you will miss it. Mm. And when you miss it, it will mess you up. Yes. God is calling all of us. He has appointed all of us. Yes. He's sending all of us. He's sending you places he can't send me. He's sending me places he can't send you. He's sending you to your school. He's sending you to your workplace. He's sending you to your community, to your neighborhood, to your family, to your kids. He's sending you. He's giving you the opportunity to make an influence in your sphere. He's appointing you. And then the last part, not only did God appear and appoint, but what I love about God is God answers Moses. Because Moses' butt got in the way. And God really could have said go. And Moses says buh but and God says go. But 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 who am I? Go. But, but, I, but I would, have, would have, go. But what I love about this story is that God actually takes time and He answers Moses specifically. And I believe that the correlation bef- between what He answers and how He answers Moses is the same thing, the lesson that we can learn today. Because what I've learned is that Moses makes excuses, but God wants to make a way. And I believe that's the same thing for you. You are making excuses about how God wants to use you. And instead of making excuses, you need to just make a way and follow God's way. That's what you need to do. But if you're not careful, your excuses will get in the way of what God is trying to do through you and with you. And so today I want to rest here for a moment. And I want to look at some excuses that Moses gave. Because as I was looking at these and I was reading these and I was studying these... I related to these, and I believe each of us in this room and watching online, you can relate to the excuses that Moses gave. What was Moses' first excuse? Moses, Moses' first excuse was simply this, I am unworthy. You ever felt unworthy? I am unworthy. What does he say in Exodus 3, 11 and 12? He says, who am I? Who am I? I believe there's a lot of people that feel unworthy of the call and the appointing of God because of the past that you've lived in. And I believe that for so many people, your past is your prison and it's keeping you held and bound. We serve a God that has died for your past. God can't use me. I come from a broken home. God can't use me. My wife cheated on me. God can't use me, my husband left me. God can't use me, my kids aren't following God. God can't use me, I'm uneducated. God can't use me, I'm too old. God can't use me, I'm too young. God can't use me, and I'm telling you right now that you are not worthy when you wear your own shoes. But when you take off your sandals and you walk on holy ground, God will use you. In your unworthiness, because he is worthy. How do I know that? Because God's response to Moses is, I will be with you. Why do we feel like when God appears to us, God appoints us, God answers us, all of a sudden he's going to abandon us. We do not serve a God that is a God of abandoning us. He's not going to abandon you. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. But for some reason we feel like God has called us to do something and he wants us to do it by ourselves. And he's saying, don't do it by yourself. I will be with you. We talk a lot about a pastor by the name of Tony Evans. One of Pastor Tony's greatest quotes is he says, God will meet you where you are in order to take you where he wants you to go. Let me say that again. God will meet you where you are so he will take you where he wants you to go. Take you. He'll take you. But I thought he was sending me. He is sending you. He's sending you hand in hand with himself. Yes. You know, my son will say, dad, will you take me to the restroom? Taking him to the restroom doesn't mean, hey, Jay, yeah, it's cool. Go walk down the hallway, take a left, take a right, go around the corner. It's right down there. When he comes up to me and says, dad, will you take me? It means he wants me to hold his hand and walk with him every step of the way. That's right. And then when he is done, he wants me to take his hand and walk with him every step of the way back. So when God says, I will be with you, he doesn't mean sometimes, he means all the time. But I'm unworthy. You are unworthy, but with him, you are worthy. The second excuse he gives is Moses says, I am unsure. Exodus 13 and 14 says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, well, what's his name? What shall I tell them? I mean, what am I, I'm unsure about like exactly, okay, where do I go? Well, who do I talk to? Okay, what do I tell them? He's unsure. And it freezes him because when you're unsure, you're not quite sure what to do. And I love God's response. It's the most simplistic, crazy, weird response in the Bible. He says, tell them I am sent you. Amen. And you can imagine Moses saying, I am who? <laughs> and he says, I am who I am. And you know, it's fascinating and I don't have time to get into it today, but do you know that this is the first time in scripture where God actually tells someone his name. Exodus chapter six, verse three, he says, I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God almighty, but my name, the Lord, I hid from them. I did not reveal to them. This is the first time in scripture, God actually told someone his name. Fast forward a couple thousand years and we see Jesus using this phrase, I am, a lot. Do you know that every time Jesus used the phrase, I am, do you know what he was doing? He was identifying himself with the God of the Old Testament. So every time Jesus said, I am, he was simply saying, I am the God I am. This is what he says in John 4.26. He says, I am the Messiah. John 6.35, he said, I am the bread of life. John 8.23, he says, I am from above. John 8.58, he says, before Abraham was, I am. John 9.5 says, I am the light of the world. John 10, 7 says, I am the door through which every sheep must enter. John 10, 36 says, I am the Son of God. John eleven 25, we're going to celebrate like crazy next week. You don't want to miss it. Don't show up here. Nobody will be here. Go to East River. But he says, I am the resurrection and the life. John 13, 13 says, I am your Lord and your master. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When they ask you who sent you, tell them, everybody. I am. You need a way? I am. You need a solution? I am. You need a savior? I am. Who do they need? Whoever they need, just let them know, I am. You unsure? He is. He's everything you need. He's the hole you're trying to fill with things that aren't going to fill the hole that somebody left in your life. He is. He will always be. The third excuse, I am unprepared. I am unprepared. Exodus 4 says Moses answered. He says, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? What if they say that the Lord did not really appear to you? The Lord's answer to Moses was so simple. He simply says, Moses, what's in your hand? You can imagine Moses holding what everyone does. A staff, a staff, not a stick, a staff. Custom says that the staff of a shepherd was his most prized possession. He carried it everywhere he went. The staff was what he used to keep sheep in order. The staff is what he used to protect his sheep, to fend off animals that were trying to attack his sheep. Custom says that the staff was so in tune to the shepherd's hand that over time his hand would literally morph in between the wood where it would fit like a glove. So God says, what's in your hand? And Moses says, it's a staff. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Now again, I don't have time to get into this, but I encourage you read this It's crazy. He takes the staff, he throws it on the ground. It turns into all sorts of fun stuff. All of the things that it turns into over and over again are a precursor for what's to come. But you know what the lesson is in this? The most precious thing to Moses? The lesson is in order to be used by God, you must learn to surrender to God what is most precious to you. you. And it may be just the staff in Moses' hand, But when you surrender it to God, he takes the ordinary and turns it into the extraordinary. That's what God does. Well, I just don't have what I need. God says, what's in your hand? He's telling, he's asking one of you today, somebody, he's saying, what's in your hand? Because the excuse you've been giving him is, I don't have, I don't have enough. I'm unprepared. And God's simply saying, listen, listen just give what you have to me. Surrender it to me, and I will do things with it you never thought could happen. The fourth excuse is this. He says, I am unable. I'm unworthy. I'm unsure. I'm unprepared. But God, honestly, I'm just not able. I love it. it says this, he says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been uh, 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 um, uh, 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 eloquent in my talking. It's just it's, it's like spe- speaking, speaking's just never, never, never been my thing. He says, "I I I I just can't. I I I mean I mean I mean I I just I just I just, I, I just can't. I I, I I I love God's response. I mean, what a what, what a response! God responds. He says, hey, I got a question. Who made your mouth? <laughs> you so worried about what's coming out of your mouth? Let me ask you, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? Who made it?'" You can imagine Moses going, well, 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 maybe maybe you did. (laughs) You know the lesson? Here's the lesson The lesson is God does not want your ability, He wants your availability. The greatest ability God can ever use is your availability. Who made your mouth? The next time God tells you to do something, just hear me saying, Who made your mouth? Mm -hmm. I'm unprepared. I'm unworthy. I'm unsure. Who made your mouth? What's crazy is Moses missed the whole thing. I mean, it's easy for us on this side of it. But Moses missed it. And what I believe Moses missed was the simple fact that at the very beginning of the conversation, God says, I'm going to rescue them. Not you, Moses. I'm going to. But yet Moses in his excuses lost sight of what God even said. God said, I don't need you. I want you. I'm going to do all the work. I just need a representative that is willing to go. And I'm here to tell you today what God wants from you is he wants you to be a representative that is willing to go. But I don't know what to say. It's okay. He made your mouth. I don't have what it takes. I'm unworthy. Get some new shoes. Clothe yourself in the identity of who God has called you to be. God wants to use you. He's going to do all the work. He just needs a representative. He needs a vessel. What's crazy to me is when you fast forward 1,400 years, you find Jesus seated on the donkey on top of the Mount of Olives. He's seated on top of this donkey, getting ready to ride into Jerusalem to experience the most difficult week of his life. The most difficult week. And instead of being concerned about himself, instead of being worrisome about what's getting ready to happen to him, instead of weeping about his circumstance, our God, sitting on the top of that donkey in the form of Jesus, a vessel being used, he looks at the city. Because that's what it says in Luke 19. As he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, it says he wept over it. He saw what was ahead. He saw the people that were affecting, that were affected. And he wept over their circumstances. Here you have God in the book of Exodus weeping. I hear your cry. And he uses Moses as a vessel. And 1,400 years later, Jesus weeps over not just Jerusalem, but the sins of the world. Amen. You know, it's Palm Sunday today. It's the day that we celebrate. It's the day that we celebrate the ultimate rescuer arriving for the ultimate Redemption. God called Moses to rescue a nation. God sent Jesus Mm. to save the world. But he wants to use us as a vessel. He wants us as representatives. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. I believe he's calling all of us to be used. And when you look at the story of Moses, you know he got one thing right? His initial response to the call. You see, God called Moses and he said, Moses, Moses. And when God calls you, there is only one correct answer. Do you know what it is? Here I am. Here I am. Some of you, God is calling you right now. He's calling you to work in your business. He's calling you to work in your schools. He's calling you to work in your careers. He's calling you to work in your families. And your butt is getting in the way. Don't let your butt get in the way. Allow God to use you, He's going to do all the work. He just needs a vessel that says, Here I am. Yes, Yes, I'm unworthy. I am. I'm unworthy. But God, I know you will be with me. God, I am unsure, but I know you are I am. God, I am so unprepared. What's in your hand? But God, I'm unable. Who made your mouth? The only correct answer is here I am. This week, my prayer for you is that whatever God calls you to, here I am. Here I am. And allow God to use you to do things you never thought you could do. Because it may just be a staff in your hand, but with him, it's an instrument and a tool to set a nation free. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I know that people listening to my voice this morning are walking through different things. God, some struggle with being unworthy, some struggle with being unsure. God, some struggle with being unprepared and some struggle just with the, being unable. So, God, I pray wherever they find themselves, God, that when you call, our answer would be the same. God, here I am. God, I pray that you would use each person that hears my voice, God, in an unbelievable way this week. God, I pray that they would invest in people's lives. God, they would invite people to attend our daily online. God, they would invite people to attend Good Friday. God, I pray that they would invite their friends to Easter. God, so that lives will be changed. God, use us this week to go into places. God, as, as you've called us to. God, I pray for those that struggle with the excuses. God, I pray that they will see you making a way through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus told his disciples, go and preach the gospel to all nations. The gospel is the good news. We're going to celebrate a Savior that died on Friday. I encourage you, make plans to be here. My prayer is that it's standing room only. But we're going to celebrate a Savior that died. And then on Sunday, we're going to celebrate a Savior that has risen. There are people that are waiting for an invitation. They're just waiting. I hope somebody invites me to Easter. Maybe you've invited them all year long. Call them one more time. Because next week, I'm telling you, God will be here. And by here, I mean East River. But God will be here. And we're going to turn that high school into a church. And you do not want to miss it. So now, go. Go. Grace and peace.